God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 9, or you can read on the screen, or the last, whatever works best for you. <laughs> so this morning's going to be exciting, there's more things to, to cover than we have time for, I'll try to be mindful of that as best I can, but uh, we're going to have a day of celebration of what we've seen God do, just, just to skim the surface this past year, and then hopefully it's some time of looking forward to where we hope to put our focus this next year. And so we're just going to go to this verse, these seven verses that really sort of give us some definition and direction for our vision of the church. And just, I know I almost said every week, isn't it amazing that we've already heard the gospel today? I mean, we, we have heard good news, but we just leave right now. I mean, we have heard that God is a God of grace and glory. And that though we are sinners, rebels against God... That He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Though we worship being understood, worship being accepted, worship, worship being served instead of coming to serve, God has not turned His back on us. He's not waiting for us to get our act together. He has pursued us in Jesus. And there's nothing <laughs> the world, the flesh, or the devil can hold over us because Christ's blood covers us. This is good news. We just want to continue diving into that ocean of God's grace through His Word today. So Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And He said to him, Follow me. And He rose and followed him. So underline, Jesus is worth leaving everything for. Verse 10. And as Jesus reclined hung out the table in the house. In Luke, it tells us this was Matthew's house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Father, we thank you so much that you have not just come for those who have it together. Because none of us do. But you have come for us broken, needy people. We confess we are me, but with great joy, heads held high, we confess you are enough. And we pray today that when we continue to worship you through your word, to you would be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Life can be really hard. Really hard. No doubt all of us in here this morning can share stories from the past year that are heartbreaking. Maybe stories from the past week. Maybe stories from the drive here this morning. It's easy to get lost in those difficult moments, those difficult seasons, those difficult days or nights. And just to feel like that sort of defines our lives. And to sort of only see those things. And it's as if we interpret all of our life through the lens of what is wrong, what is bad, and what is difficult. 
But it's good for us to remember what God has done. It's good to celebrate what we call evidences of God's grace. And so every year, Cassie makes a video for our family. It's one way to, to give people gifts in our family without having to spend any money. Although it takes a great degree of time. But something great happens. Cassie would tell you, she's in there with the little kids this morning, that she can maybe prone to be on the negative side of seeing how the world is sometimes. And particularly, you know, in your family with kids, it can be really hard sometimes. But this past year, she was just sort of really moved deeply and even emotionally as she watched all of these videos and saw all of these pictures from the last year. And she was like, we did have a lot of fun together this year. There actually were a lot of good times together. And it's so easy to see things in view of what didn't happen or in view of what did happen instead of seeing the things that God actually was up to in the middle of the mess. And we praise God today because He is a God who is with us in the middle of our mess. He is faithful. And so as one of uh, my great mentors, Andy Bernard, says here, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left. We're in the good old days. One day we're going to be looking back and telling stories about our families and, and our lives and our church. And it's really hard. But there's pockets of your life right now, not all of them. That you're going to look back on and you're going to say, you know, those were the good old days. And God doesn't want us to miss the good things He is doing in our lives right now. He doesn't want to let the world, the flesh, and the devil just put the spotlight on all the fallenness and brokenness in our lives. So that one day, at the end of our lives... We're just sitting back and saying, you know, I wish I could just go back and savor that a little bit. And soak that in a little bit. See, we can really as a church, I think, and as disciples and disciple makers get lost in the fog of war. And we are at war. We know that. And the only way that we can look forward to God's grace and give our lives to His glory is we've got to learn to look back. To where he has done great works. We sing in a Come Thou Fount my, uh, my Every Blessing. A line that probably most of you are like, what in the world are we talking about? It says, here I raise my Ebenezer. Right? Are we talking about Ebenezer Scrooge? Is what I'm sure probably the kids or so of us think of. But Ebenezer is a stone of remembrance. A remembrance of, hey, God was faithful back here. He showed up. He provided. He was with us. In the hard times, we want to raise those Ebenezer stones of God's presence. And that's what we want to do this morning. Because God is at work. He is at work when we can't see it. He is our holy, sovereign God on the throne. That the events in this world that upset us, the events in our lives that overturn us, cannot remove Him from His place on high. We need to celebrate His grace in the past. We're to resolve for His call in the present. So how are we going to do that this morning? Well, first thing is we're going to remember our mission. So this church started just with a dream, with an idea of what if we just went to the Bible, God's Word, and said, what does it look like to be the church? If we just went to God's Word 
to the Bible and said, what does it look like to believe the gospel as taught by the word of God? And to believe it and to let it shape our lives. So we could go to many texts. We could really go to the whole Bible. But as the Lord put this vision for a, a community of gospel-driven, disciple-making, spirit-dependent people on our hearts, we continue to come back to this picture in Matthew chapter 9. Where we see a picture of the real heart of God in the real Jesus who has come to bring mercy and grace to people. See, we live in what could be called as the religious South. A lot of the flu is going around right now. And so we think about inoculations. Well, if you know what an inoculation is, it is actually giving you enough of it so you don't get the real thing. Does that make sense? Now, vaccines, inoculations work. Like they actually give you the flu a little bit or enough of a strand so you don't get the flu. That's just a beautiful picture of how much of our culture is. We've got enough of Jesus, or some kind of Jesus, to actually keep us from the real Jesus. The Jesus we find on the pages of Scripture. The Jesus that calls us not to see Him as somebody we tack onto our lives, but He wants it all. And for us to see that's not bad news, that's good news. So as Flannery O'Connor calls our region the Christ on its sack is we want to bring the good news of the real Jesus to many people who've got just enough of it to keep, to keep them from it so that Jesus isn't just like an idea that haunts our lives but is the real person who comes to bring us hope. And we see it in this text. We see it, first of all, this surprising call. Jesus calls a tax collector named Matthew to follow him. Tax collectors were hated. I mean hated. You probably don't like taxes already. Well, they hated this taxes even more in those days. So just imagine if we were invaded by a foreign country and they set up a tax system to provide to pay for their military occupation that you hated. So you have to pay for their military to occupy your city. And then some of your own people, your fellow countrymen, went to work for them. And they told your fellow countrymen, guess what? We only need, say, 5%, but you can up the percentage ever how much you want, and you make whatever comes off the top of that. So Matthew here could say, hey, I need 10% of your money. And I'm keeping 5%. I'm going to get rich. Off of you. These guys were hated. And Jesus says, You know what? I think I'm going to call that guy to start the kingdom of God in this world through my mission. That doesn't make sense. That's what Jesus does. He's not going around saying, Who's, Who deserves to be on this team? Who's the people who have it together? He calls tax collectors. You see, he has these surprising companions. So it, it, all his disciples are there. And where, where we had, did we have time to read through the list? We're going to see there's zealots. 
That is people who are the exact opposite of the tax collectors. They're the ones who are like, let's overthrow the government. Let's overthrow Rome. And Jesus is like, I think I'm going to call these two guys to work together. There's fishermen. Just these rough commercial fishermen. There's people who are called the sons of thunder. Right? Sounds like a, a great tag team wrestling. Right? <laughs> the sons of thunder. James and John. There's... Jesus has this... Just this strange group of people following him that he picks. And then he, this surprising company that he keeps. Not just the tax collectors, but the sinners. This designation doesn't say there were some who were sinners and some weren't, but these are the people who had their reputation publicly. Like, this is when you thought of them, you thought of their sin. And this is who Jesus surrounds himself with. This ties in so much to our mission. When we say we want to make the real Jesus known, we say we want to make the real Jesus known to the broken, to the burnout, to the bored, and even the bitter. We say to broken people who think Jesus. They have this idea of this false Jesus who has said, you know what? When you get your act together, then come talk to me. When you get yourself cleaned up, when you get it a little more, you know, a little more together, now let's talk. No, the real Jesus says it's okay to not be okay, to be real about that, but you don't have to stay that way. I will come to you where you are and change you. To burn out people, how many people in our culture are not a part of the church or not following Jesus faithfully today because of the church? Because of religion. Because of this Pharisee attitude that says, That's, that doesn't work. We've got to draw a line in the sand. You've got the good people here, the bad people here. The needy people here, the not needy people here. And when people get on this side of the line, then they can come to our table. But the real Jesus says Christianity is not primarily about rules to be followed, but a joy to be had. A relationship to be experienced with Him that changes you by the power of grace more deeply than any list of rules ever could. To the board. To people who think, well, all Jesus wants me to do is attend these events that this church has to serve in their nursery. You know? I don't know that I really want to give my life to sitting on a chair and just showing up in a building. For the many in our generation. Right? We're told when you grow up, you're going to be awesome. You're going to change the world. You're going to have a job you love every day. Right? It's like reality hits bam. My life feels boring. It's not what I thought it was going to be. But the real Jesus has good news. I've not just come to change your Sundays. I've come to change your everyday. To the bitter. Who thinks Jesus might can save me from hell but has nothing to do with my life now. The real Jesus says not only can I save you but I can satisfy you. Many people in our culture, how many times they raise their hand and say they're a Christian. Do they believe that Jesus not only can save them later but can satisfy them now? So to sum it up, we believe the real Jesus is not just true news, though He is. He's good news. He's not a drag on your life. 
He's not a problem you have to tolerate so you don't have to go to hell. That's how so many people think of Him. He is good news for your life now and forever. This is what is breaking in in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is not just doing this alone, we notice, but He's with His disciples. This is a beautiful thing. He says, I want some people to be in on this great mission. If you're here today and you're following Jesus, that's His invitation to you. He's like, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to band together with some other followers of mine and go bring this good news into the world. That's what it means for us to be a church, a Jesus-following community, growing together through life with Jesus, life, in, life on life, life in community, life on mission, and showing people that God can actually take these people from all these different backgrounds that shouldn't be united, that should actually be divided, that shouldn't be friends, and He makes them family. That's why Jesus says, the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Because nothing else will explain the fact that you're committed to loving one another like that. But Jesus. It's all too different. It's just too hard. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Many days I think, I think I just want to go build a cabin in the mountains and go high. But Jesus can bring us together. We stay together. We love one another in a world that is so divided and so bitter. To see a community of people loving one another in spite of everything that should divide them is more attractive than the best music, the best communication, the best websites or whatever. That's the truly attractional church that loves one another. Just think how their presence brought stories of redemption. Their unity brought a picture of reconciliation. <clears throat> Notice they go together. Right? So it's not just Jesus and the disciples saying, Hey, what's the latest new Bible study curriculum we can get together and go over? It's no, they're like, we've got we've to take what God's doing in us out to everyone else who needs this. And especially to those who have written off God and His people, or those, sadly, whom God's people have written off. The tax collectors and the sinners. And this is such a beautiful, crazy picture here. The Pharisees were right to kind of be taken back. I mean, this is just not how things were done. Certain people didn't have meals together. If we think about it, it's still like that in our day. And just think, there's certain people who have meals together and certain other groups who have meals together. And Jesus is just blowing up all of that. He's confronting this religious mindset that says people need to actually get well before they come to me. He's actually being not less biblical, but more biblical than the Pharisees. He quotes from Hosea. I mean, just think, Jesus is, uh, he's amazing, but he's also, he's not the, the guy maybe you thought with the long flowing hair and his graduation picture in your Sunday school classroom, right, like he's floating around in a dress, 
you know, just hugging people all the time. But Jesus can be really tough, too. Tender and he's tough. And what he's doing here is very, very in your face. These Pharisees are saying, Jesus, you don't care about holiness. Jesus, you don't care about the word of God. And he's saying, well, uh, go and learn what this means. Imagine telling these guys who have the Bible memorized, right? Hey, I want you to go learn something. And he cites Hosea. God says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So if we want to get biblical, let's get biblical, Jesus says. The heart of God is not you having it all together and doing everything just right. The heart of God is that you have a heart of mercy. That doesn't lay burdens upon the backs of those in need who are broken. But you bring them to the table and you show them my grace. Just the last thing here. I want us to celebrate some stuff. Notice where this is happening. It's in Matthew's house. This is a big part of what it means for us to be a church here. Is that the primary places where it happens, the church stuff happens, is not here. Now, we love our Sundays. They're a big part of what I think it means for us to be formed by the gospel for disciples. But the action is in your homes, around your tables, at restaurants, coffee shops, in your cars, in your workplaces. That's the pattern that Jesus gives us. When people say, where's your church? I love giving the crazy answer. Everywhere. Everywhere. Wherever we go together in Jesus' name, we are His people. Where His people gather here on Sundays, where His people scatter together. And what we call missional community, and what we, it doesn't matter what you call it, we're His people. Saved by His power, sin with His purpose. This is why Matthew's Table Church is here. Good for us to remember this each year together as a whole church. This is why, why we're here, why Cassie and I are here, why a few years ago we insanely walked away from a lot of things that we had actually geared our whole life towards achieving and having. That's why many of you are here. I know the stories of many of you who are part of our church. But you you walked away from some comfort and security. To say, I want to know what it looks like to actually live this out. To actually be the people of God on mission. And it's been hard. But Jesus has been better. He's enough. And there's something about when we throw ourselves all in after God. That we get to experience His greatness in ways we never would have before. When we walk away from our addiction to comfort and we detox ourselves from meaningless repetition of religion, we find that the gospel really is good news and Jesus really is King. What this has looked like for us is, uh, is what we often say are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We'll probably just keep adding. It's supposed to be 5, so you can do it over the one mission, make the real Jesus known. Two motivations, gospel power and gospel purpose. 
three callings. The great mandate, that is, your workplaces and your jobs matter. Guess it's really good news to know, for you to be a mature Christian doesn't mean you have to go to Bible school and be a pastor. Right? My calling as a pastor is not any more strategic than your calling in your workplace to go there and to do a good job for God's glory and to work hard for His name. That's the great mandate. God says, go and have dominion over all the earth. The great command. You get confused. I don't know how to do this. Just love God and love others. And the great commission to make disciples. To submit all your life to following Jesus and help some other people do the same. We have four identities. Disciples, that is those who learn and follow Jesus in the stuff of everyday life. But also we have shared gospel identities. Because we are children of the Father that makes us family. Because we've been baptized in the name of the Son who came not to be served, but to serve. We're servants. And because we have been given the Spirit, and Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So we live as missionaries. We seek to do this in the everyday rhythms of life. Blessing, listening to people and their stories, eating with people. Sabbathing with people, that is celebrating and resting in the finished work of Christ and recreating with people. And we flesh this out practically with our six practices of Sunday gathering, family meals, fight clubs, everyday mission support, a common mission. Both of our missional communities each have a common mission. One is in Fly Oldfield neighborhood, and the other to families across this pregnancy. And finally, doing all this with spirit led prayer. So that we never believe it's in our own power. Or in our own plans. So last year our goal was to see healthy, unified multiplication. So this time last year, we're sitting in my living room. That feels like a really long time ago for those of you who were there. But just think, this time last year, we're sitting in our living room. Some weeks, there's just four or five of us there. I remember one week where nobody was there but me. And so we said we want to see healthy, unified multiplication this year. What do we mean by healthy? Well, we mean Matthew 9, Jesus at the center. We don't want to just multiply structures. We just don't want to grow big things. We want to be healthy. Not just alive, not just active, not just doing stuff, but knowing who we are in Christ and living out of that identity. Abiding in Him and trusting Him to bear fruit. United. We knew as we multiplied our missional communities and our fight clubs, we wanted to remain our identity as a whole church, united together on the mission. Because we believe we're stronger together as a whole church. And we believe this provides the support to multiply our groups. In ways that don't leave people out on an island. And multiplication. We'll often say is we don't want to divide. And we don't want to grow by addition. Now here's what we mean by that. We have to be language police. We need to split up your group. No, we're not splitting up anything. We're multiplying. Growing. That's what families do, right? And we don't want to just add people. We don't view success by counting people. We've said from the start, we'd rather have a church of 10 people who are following Jesus than a thousand who just show up and go home. Nothing wrong with a thousand. I want a thousand following Jesus. Lord, let it be so. 
We want to multiply disciples, not just groups. Because we know that if Jesus is not at the center and following Him, then we can do like Jesus said to the Pharisees. You travel earth and sea to make a convert, and then you make them more a son of a hell than, son of hell than yourself. Discipleship. And how we pursued that this past year. We set up leadership development support processes. So I want to show you one of our leaders we really poured into here. Alright, look at this. Isn't this a man that you want to follow? So Cody led in our first missional community multiplication. I didn't have a good picture of Ashley to put her out there. And we set up these, we don't have time, but these processes for leadership development through weekly meetings to, to go through video things and, and meeting together as couples. Melanie, she's really glad her picture's up there. <laughs> Spending a lot of time developing, thinking about our gathering, thinking about what it looks like for us to have, to, to have a, a, a gathering that's not just, hey, pick out some songs. But what would it look like for us to shape our gatherings by the gospel? And you experienced that each week you did this morning. Melanie works hard to make sure this happens. We praise God for that. We multiply missional communities. So not only did we go from a little group in our home, but now to two missional communities. And our missional communities, they're just family of servant missionaries sent to make disciples. We multiplied our fight clubs, which some people call DNA, and we hosted a training with the Parker Church in Chattanooga to make sure that we did these effectively. We begun a gathering. Again, last year we didn't have a gathering. We started at 4.30 over in the Black Oldfield neighborhood, and here we are today. We began the gospel project curriculum for our children. And then, not this week, obviously, it's our fourth Sunday, but the other Sundays of the month, we have our elementary kids learning what it means to understand all of Scripture and all of life with Jesus at the center. And we've begun Mentor DNA. What this is, is this is kind of our approach to youth ministry at this season in the life of our church. Is we have these three awesome girls, Emma, Sierra, and Melanie, who devote their time <laughs> to teach our middle schoolers, which right now is just a couple of girls, to, to learn what it means to read God's Word with Jesus at the center, speak the gospel in one another's hearts, and then ask them to be so these are no small things. I mean, this is amazing. We don't need a small group of people, but we serve a big God who is at work. And so I just want to, I've asked uh, through different means for some of you to send me words that just share how you've grown this past year. So if you didn't, if you didn't send me something or you didn't see the messages, I'm not trying to leave you out. And so send them to me and we'll get them to people. This is what one, one person said. Mike, I may call some of your names out. Sorry to embarrass you. This is related to growing in the gospel to the disciple. I've grown in my understanding of how great God's grace is to me. He has taken the punishment I'm due every day and not only give me eternal life, but bless me as his son. I'm adopted, chosen, and greatly loved. And that drives me to serve with any gift amazing. Melanie said, I've learned the importance of mourning our brokenness and sin so that God can comfort and heal us. One person said in their fight club experience this past week, I didn't ask them for permission so I'm not going to say their names. 
The last few daily readings have been such a great reminder of how simple and effective a prayer can be. Lately, I've found myself just talking to God because He is here. And I felt that presence in my fight club, being deep in the theology of the knowledge of the Word. One other person said just a desire to grow in God's Word. Chris, I'm not sure you sent this to me, but I like calling your name out anyway. But uh, Cody sent it, or, and I've seen it, is just a softening of the heart by the gospel. Everybody stare at Chris. Chris is a big, tough guy. He went through a lot earlier this year when their baby was born and Gina's home with Kristen this morning. Three months in NICU. A lot of days not knowing what the end would be. Chris said through that time and the gospel community that we have, coming to know the love of the Father like never before. Cody said, the fact I'm even still going is evidence of God's grace. I'm feeling like I can be myself again and not being condemned when I'm wrong or disagreed with. Jason said, I'm grateful for a church culture that emphasizes making disciples. For all the tools and resources that help me relate to the gospel every day a safe place to confess my sin and be held accountable. And I just want to say as your pastor, it is amazing to be a part of a church where you don't have to follow all these crazy rules they give pastors, right? You can't be friends with people in the church. You can't let people see your weaknesses and that you're needy. You guys all know I'm as jacked up as any of you and as needy in Jesus as you are, right? I'm right there with the Apostle Paul, right? You know, Paul couldn't be a pastor in most churches, you know, because he said, half the time I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. So I just, it's awesome to be a part of this church and to hear God's word of encouragement and gospel to me. This year we went through the story of God together. We saw God do so many things. How we experienced our family identity. One person said, our MC has been such a tremendous help in making me see that church is truly family. I've been able to grow vulnerable and open and be real and authentic. Someone else said, I'm just so glad people don't overlook hardships, struggles, or sin, or shortcomings and hurts. But we can say these things out loud and then receive encouragement from God's Word. Emma said this, has not said her name yet, that in Fight Club, she's She's felt so open to share her faults and sins in a community setting without shame, but with repentance and grace. Another person, Ashley, I can be myself without faking or putting on a show in front of everyone. There's so many for the second time I have to skip. What about our servant identity? One person said, to see what it looks like to functionally serve and share the good news to a specific community of people that I've had my whole life, but now get to actually experience. Gina, who's not here, she's, she's leading one of our fight clubs, and that's our smaller groups of three. We don't actually fight if you're here this morning. We do fight, though. <laughs> fight sin. I'll have to say this. This crazy group of guys last week said, let's all tell each other one thing we don't like about each other. Still can't. I do not want to be with them. I don't have that much gospel security. But isn't that awesome? I mean, that we, that we, can, we, can, we 
have the gospel to root us. We've seen the gospel displayed in so many ways. The crisis pregnancy MC, they have made diaper bags and resources for these moms who are in such a difficult situation. You know, some we tell we tell people like, don't have an abortion, have your baby, and then they do, and we're like, all right, now figure out life. But to see these guys come alongside the Foundation House nonprofit in our city and say, no, we're going to love you now too. We thank God for Suzanne and the Foundation House. They do just, they show up at the meetings they have, the needs. They've started a movie night for these families where they can come together, experience healthy community. They prayed with them. They, they ran, show up for any random service needs. And then through Gina and Chris's story, they have other families in, in crisis situations that will reach out to them and say, hey, we're going through a hard time. And they step up and meet those needs. It's amazing. Serve in the name of Jesus. In the Blythe Oldfield community, we were able to, to take a space in there that was beaten and torn down and renovated to be a good news center for that whole community. We've been able to, to see in this summer a, a local elementary school teacher use that space to help kids that don't have good family support in the summer to continue learning reading. We There's a, a church there that's able to use the, the space on Wednesday nights to minister to their children. They're able to help impact Cleveland, now City Field, do surveys and other things. The Boys and Girls Club uses it as a teen center because they don't have the space for teens. The refuge that works on job skills has been able to use it once to teach people who need to learn how to, to cut hair and various things do that. It's just amazing. And most of that's happening. We don't even know it half the time. But God's at work. Had a plot in the community garden. It was an epic fail. None of us, I guess, are good gardeners. <laughs> Cooked out in the park so many times, built relationships, had our hearts broke, and then seen God break into lives. There's so many things. How have we grown in our missionary identity? One person said, we've seen the heart of God, back to Matthew 9, as we've been encouraged and sent to embrace the other. People who aren't like us, but who are loved by God. And to not just serve, but to share the gospel. To say, we, we've had people ask us, why are you doing this? And that's what we want to do. We serve in such a way that it demands an explanation. Why are you doing this? We love that question. And then we say, this is nothing compared to how we've been served by God. Do you think renovating a room is all a sacrifice to help you? Do you think doing a movie night is a sacrifice of love? But let us tell you about a God who so loved us that He sent His Son to live a perfect life in our place, to die the death that we deserve to die, and to rise to give us the life we can never pull off in our own power. All things we point to Christ. We've seen gospel conversations. We saw four people this year make professions of faith. We baptized two people. 
We did this all seeking not to have something to count. I wish we had more. But to make disciples of the real Jesus. I just want you guys to be encouraged. I want us to see this. And I left out so many gods at work. You know the drive to Chattanooga? We've got some visitors here this morning near to the area. I think it's White Oak Mountain. Is that what it's called? If you're going up through there. Don't you hate it when you get behind a big truck up through there? Then it clogs in right there. I hate it. But as our visitors were telling us how beautiful our area was, I started to think, you know, that's kind of how we live our lives, isn't it? We're driving up this beautiful piece of God's creation and we're thinking, I wish this stinking truck would get out of my way. And you know what I remembered right there on the other side of that? There's an overlook in there. And while I'm sitting there complaining because I can't get where I want to go fast enough, there's people stopped over here just admiring the beauty of creation. Maybe that's how some of you feel about your life. Some of you are living it. Is you're just wanting to get somewhere, get stuff done, and you're mad at anything that gets in the way when there's beauty all around you. To celebrate. To lead us into worship. And so what... This is why we do this. And just really quick here. It's like my computer's going to die. I'll be singing the last song. Uh, that works. Boys and Girls Club, get to serve there. Here's the CPR. MC, making these diaper bags. More of a Halloween event, Boys and Girls Club. Here's CPR being trained. CPR is Crisis Pregnancy Restoration. Being trained on how to engage these families. Here's a big Halloween party. Here's a bonfire we had to go on with our baptisms. Here's a, again, a Crisis Pregnancy MC at a meeting. Here was one of our prayer meetings we had. We went through the story of God. There's one of the movie nights that they do. More diaper bag work. We went bowling together. We learned about the Beatitudes. We ate a lot of meals together. A lot. And look at this beautiful picture of Mike and Cody. They're not only secure in the gospel, but in their men. Here's a back-to-school prayer night we had for the children in the Black Oldsville community at our house. And this is just all of us praying over them. Here's where the, the, the CPRMC made sure the foundation house got Bibles. So all of these, these families these situations had the word of God. Here's Gina and Ashley at Cody's old house. This will just go without needing to be said for those of you who were here, part of our first year. Jason, a homeless man that we just love so dearly and now miss so much. Get Chris in there. That's important. Here's us at a bingo night in Blythe Oldfield. Another family meal. Talking to Trevor and Chrissy out at the park. Oswaldo. Notice Jason. Miss that. Jason and Rachel made the party better. Here, there was us at the community garden. Their buddy Danny. Here's the fight club picture. Basketball team. Basketball team party. Black Oak Field. At the Sonic hanging out. Fine dining. <laughs> Dancing in the streets. There's Emma. <laughs> David and Erica talking. Josiah and Sadie. Elisha and Noah. These guys, again, goes without saying for those who were here, but you know, Zach and Danny lived with us for about six months. And we're just trusting the gospel being sown in their lives, doing work. God is at work. 
Falcons lost the Super Bowl. There's Don and Danny talking after one of our gatherings in Life Oldfield. Well, we used to prepare people for baptisms. Danny, Chris, and little Kristen had to put that on here. Such a big part of our story this past year. Oh man, I wish I had time. I've already went what, longer than I wanted to go. But God is at work. And this next year, we just want our focus to be what we would call gospel fluency. And that's just, we want to be fluent with the gospel. We want to be able to speak the good news of why all this is happening with fluency. Like it's our native tongue. Because it is our native tongue. God's now adopted us into His family. We've got to learn to speak our family language. We're going, to, we're going to organize. We're going to do our sermon series. We're going to think about our family meals. We're going to have intensives. We're going to do all kinds of things this year. Like last year was Healthy Unified Multiplication to help us be more fluent in the gospel. And we can trust that God is going to be with us. And you know why we can trust it? Not because of these pictures. Not because He did last year. But because of Jesus. If you ever doubt if God's toying with you or wanting to pull the rug out beneath your feet or not at work, then we just look back and we remember the tomb is empty. It may feel like bad Friday before the tomb is empty, but then it becomes good Friday because you know He was at work in the dark. So what do we need from you this year? To learn. To commit to learn more about how to speak the gospel. Maybe you need to repent and believe. Maybe you don't have a broken heart. Like we see in Matthew 9. Maybe you don't have time. For the things that really matter for eternity. Maybe you need to act in obedience. Maybe you need to start dreaming. Gospel dreams. Of multiplication. But whatever it is. We need to know God is with us. Number one thing people in the Blythefield community want, Melanie Oates, just had meetings, Dollar General. Yellow Dollar General. You know what the plan is? We need a Dollar General within walking distance of every person. That's the strategy, right? We've got a better product than Dollar General. That's our vision as a church. We want a missional community. We want a table like these tables in Matthew 9 within walking distance of everybody in Bradley County and beyond. Not so that people find out how great we are. They're going to find out we're not great so far. I mean, really fast, but so that they can see how great Jesus is. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. We celebrate your grace today. And God, I know I've been long. I pray, though, that we're able to remember your work, your word. And God, I just know we left out half of it. So be glorified now as we come to your table. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, since we uh, have uh, so many people who are here who are new visiting us, we're going to do things just a little different. So I'm Melanie, and she'll come and get her guitar and just begin to play. And you do that now,